Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. of the show. Kyle is still on his way back from his honeymoon, and so we're going to take control of the ship today, Brad and I. Brad, of course, my colleague from the Draft Network. You can follow him on Twitter, at BradKelly17. And we're going to talk Virginia defense. And this is a team, this is a defense specifically, that I became fascinated with last year as I uh, kind of focused on the ACC for the Draft Network and really fell in love with Juan Thornhill and Bryce Hall, who we're going to talk a lot about here on the podcast. But they've also put, you know, a fair amount of players into the league over the last couple of years defensively. I mentioned Juan Thornhill, Tim Harris was drafted last year. Micah Kaiser, Andrew Brown, Maurice Canada, Eli Harold. And so we got to talk about some of these dudes to keep an eye on for 2020. Brad Kelly has recently spent some time studying this defense, and we're going to get into all the nuts and bolts of the prospects you need to know on the Virginia Cavaliers defense on today's show. Brad, welcome. How are we doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. This is going to be fun. Um, you know, look, I, I felt like I was driving this Bryce Hall hype train all of last year uh he really caught my eye i had i I caught him it was the nc state game against kelvin harm i'm sitting there in the press box and i'm like who is this dude that that is mixing it up with kelvin harman who was one of the most competitive receivers in last year's class went much lower than we thought but i'm like this dude is competing and then i just kept on watching him week after week after week and i'm like there's something here converted wide receiver and he is is showing some really nice technique and athleticism and size at corner and i was surprised that he wound up staying in school brad give us an overview on bryce hall and uh would he have been, you know, like a first-round pick last year? What do you need to see from him in 2019? Uh, I don't know if he would have been a first-round pick, especially seeing how some of the corners dropped and some of the defensive backs dropped. Uh, but I think he has a lot of physical tools. Like you said, 6'1", 200 pounds, really long in the arms, really kind of rocked-up frame and, like, wiry frame, but very muscular. I think as far as him and his overall skill set goes, he's not a guy like a Greedy Williams who's going to pack it in from play to play. He's going to compete. And that's going to be against the run. That's going to be pursuit. We were talking pre-show about his chase down of Travis Homer, where he just looked like the fastest guy on the field and <laughs> just had the, the best effort of all time. But as, as a cover man, on top of that, I think he's, I think he's really good vertically. Um, I think he's able to, he was, he's able to match uh, receivers vertically. He's able to get on top of them, stack them, look and lean and make plays in the ball. And I also think at the top of the route against stop routes and against comebacks, he has really good feet. And he's really good eye discipline, which means he's actually driving the receiver before he looks for the football. And that is what is allowing him to close that space down in his click and close and really disrupt the catch point. I think I think he had over 20 passes, pass breakups last year. And I think those two things is the ability to cover vertically and his ability to cover those stop and comeback routes were the main cause of them. 
Yeah, you mentioned 21 pass breakups last year. I think that was number one in the nation. Uh, just got his hands on a ton of footballs, which you expect for a guy that kind of switched over from wide receiver. But I, it's not that simple, right? It's like you, you got to cover and play the ball. So it's not just like, oh, this guy played receiver. So, of course, he has good ball skills. There's something to it. Uh, Brad, so when we talk about cornerbacks a lot in this era of football, we talk about scheme fit. And if they're uh, you know, a universal scheme fit, if they're kind of limited to just zone or uh, if they're man corners, what type of fit, what type of player do you see in Bryce Hall? What, what, uh, what defensive system would he fit best? I think he's going to be best, eventually end up being best in press man, really because of his frame, um, his athleticism in a straight line. I think in his zone, he's still new to it. Like you said, converted receiver. And you can tell that he's not quite as aware uh, as other zone type of corners. He's not quite a Byron Murphy, so to speak. Um, and then on top of that, when you see him play off, I don't think he's very comfortable. And I think he wants to be in someone's face. He wants to be physical. Uh, so I think overall, I think that's going to be his best fit. I think that he could eventually develop those zone skills and those off skills. But right now, especially will likely be early on in his career, that's not going to be his best, his best attribute. Thinking ahead to 2019 and, and what you would like to see from Bryce Hall to really put it all together and become a player that we take very seriously as potential first-round talent, what are some of the things you're looking for, Brad? I think initially he has gotten beat by double moves a few times, and every corner is going to get beat by double moves here and there, but it happens just a little bit too often from Hall for, for my liking. It even happened against Ohio a few times. If you check out the coach's film, you players who weren't targeted, uh, but he got beat deep because he was breaking on double moves. So now I mentioned the high discipline on against comebacks and stop routes, but then he has to be able to portray that to every single type of route, and then that will eventually help him cover double moves a little bit better down the field. How like So another thing that I think about with a lot of secondary players, but specifically with Bryce Hall, this was a good pass defense last year, and he's a returning starter, but, you know, look, Juan Thornhill no longer in the mix, and, and when they play cover two, and those dudes were on the si- on that one side of the field, man, they were, he didn't want to test that duo. They had Tim Harris, a guy that they lost from last year's defense, and so, you know, are you comfortable with him kind of being the glue of that secondary, or is that something that we need to monitor that could lead to potentially decline in 2019? I think this upcoming year they're going to rely on him to be a stopper, to be a guy who, who covers the other team's best receiver, ideally on either side of the field. Um, and if they can get that out of them, I think their defense is going to thrive because because they lost Juan Thornhill, who was such a huge part of that defense, both both against the run and the pass, that other guys are going to have to pick up that slack. And I think it could be Hall if they're just relying on him to be that stopper. And we'll get into some of his other teammates in the secondary here a little bit later in the show. But uh, I want to shift gears here now to Charles Snowden, a fascinating player. I, like I said, I mentioned I watched a lot of, of uh, Virginia defense last year. And the player that kept on popping was this Charles Snowden, six foot seven, 225 pounds. And he was a true sophomore last year. And so I'm like, all right, this dude's not eligible for the draft. So I can't spend that much time focusing on him. But honest to God, Brad, this is the first player that I went back to as soon as we flipped the switch over to 2020. It's the first player I watched because I wanted to get a, a good feel for his skill set. And so I, I've got fresh eyes on him as well. I'm looking forward to digging into him with you here. Uh, why don't you set the, set the tone here for this Charles Snowden conversation? Well, you mentioned 
that he was the first guy who went back to, to watch. He was the first guy I wrote an article on for 2020. And mm-hmm. I didn't even, I didn't really know who he was until I watched their defense and was like, who is this dude? Like, <laughs> this guy's intriguing. Like you said, six, seven, two twenty five, converted basketball player. He didn't necessarily, he, he got to high school. He didn't even play football. He kind of played it when he was younger, quit a few times, kind of went back and forth between playing the game. But then eventually joined before his, I think it was his junior year of high school and really had some success um, and you can see that he's a former basketball player. And then he also played offense in high school. He played wide receiver. Uh, and you can tell that, too, because you mentioned Bryce Hall's pass breakups. Charles Snowden led the country in pass breakups for linebackers. Mm-hmm. His size, his length is, is obviously a strength, but his ball skills are also a strength. And that is because his basketball background, his wide receiver background. But he's not only uh, a cover man. He's not only a guy who plays in the overhang. He's 6'7", 225 pounds. Use that length on the edge. I think he has some giddy up as a pass rusher too. Only two and a half sacks, but I think he had a lot of pressures. He could get he could get around the edge, I think, pretty well. Can can really bend for his size. Not necessarily yep. like the bendiest dude. And he's not Brian Burns, but for a six seven guy, he can get low. He can get underneath the pads of, a, of an offensive tackle. So I think his tools are just are just going to be incredible, and his development is going to be something fun to watch because he could be the ACC Defensive Player of the Year if everything goes well. Yeah, like you said, a versatile skill set. A guy that's six foot seven can play in space, also rush the passer a little bit. Um, I, and that's one thing that really stood out to me as a positive. I'm looking at my notes here. Positive reps in zone coverage, defending the hook curl and flats, really does a good job reading the backfield and using his long arms to get into throwing lanes. Um, and, and he takes some really good tight angles in pursuit. So, like, I, I didn't expect him to be so good in space, but there's a lot of positive uh, reps there. But how often do you see six? 7225 playing in space it's kind of a funky thing and so what i really wanted to do as i watched this film is try to figure out what type of pass rush upside he has and i will say that he does have upside but his, his entire pass rushing plan has got to be tweaked he's got to learn some technique with his hands and he's got to learn how to set up his moves have a little bit more vision to read the offensive tackle set and know how to attack it uh I, I thought he was kind of a guy that just wanted to win races around the edge and a lot of times those long strides that allowed him to do that but as yeah. soon as guys kind of got their hands on him you know that rush got really wide and he wasn't able to be effective I'd like to see him develop that pass rushing upside because I don't know how many guys of his size are really going to be able to play in space at the NFL so like how do you what do you, what do, you do with this guy he's, he's so fascinating but like when you really try to project him to the NFL what does that role look like based on what you know right now well, one thing that I did note about him was that he, for being a relatively inexperienced football player, I thought that he was very aware. A few times against screen plays, he's the only person peeling off and going after the mm-hmm. screen. Uh, when I think it was Joey Blount had an interception, or maybe it was Juan Thornton who had an interception, and they were going on the sideline. Stoneman's the only one getting out ahead blocking. So for a guy who's relatively new, I think he is pretty aware. I think that helps his NFL projection because if the team asks him to play in space or if they ask him to go off the edge or if they ask him to be – multiple in his skill set i think he'll be able to handle it uh and especially because he's going to have a no another full season as a starter this upcoming year i think the tools are there to play in space man it's like it's it's hard to project but if you want to put him on a tight end i think you could do it and i think it's you're talking about a, if there's a guy who can match up with a tight end like skills size wise length wise frame wise i mean yeah, six seven, two hundred twenty-five pound former power forward. So I don't, I don't really know. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting to see how they use him. I think that's gonna help his his NFL projection make becoming that more clear. 
I could already hear the Brian Burns detractors, right? Who I mean, they were upset that Burns was six five. What was he like two thirty listed in college? And you know, this is a guy that's taller and leaner. You know, it's like. But the good news about Snowden is we're actually going to have evidence of him playing in space where Burns you kind of always felt comfortable with that, but he still mostly played, you know, pretty much on the end of the line of scrimmage there. Um, I, I just wonder, like, when you think about the, the NFL and, and offenses are trying to attack defenses with pace and space and really trying to create uh, mismatches. And, and Charles Snowden, like, is he like the ultimate neutralizer potentially if he puts everything together? He could kind of have like his own role. Oh, yeah, definitely. And one thing about him, too, is he entered uh, Virginia at 195 pounds. So oh, really? Okay. He, he has put on 30 pounds in two years. So hopefully he keeps on that same trajectory. I mean, who knows what he comes in at? Who knows what he gets to the combine at? And, you know, even Brian Burns, I think he weighed 249 at the combine after being listed at 230. Who really? And who knows what he's going to play at this upcoming year, too? So I don't really know what's going to happen with Snowden's weight. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to get his weight to. And that could obviously help. That could help his strength. That could help his power, especially coming off the edge against offensive tackles. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see. But he's definitely going to be a unique prospect from the size and uh, in length perspective. I don't think we've really seen anything, anything like him before. To kind of talk a little bit like our colleague Ben Solak, this is something I can hear him saying. I'm only interested in weight as it relates to his ability to hold up at the point of attack and be physical, right? Like, so so when you thought Snowden, did you ever think to yourself, oh, he's 225 pounds and it's a problem, right? It's only a problem if it's a problem. Did you see instances where you're like, hey, this guy needs a little bit more girth to him, a little bit more mass to, to really hold up and, and fulfill the roles he's being asked to, to fulfill? That didn't come up that much. And I watched a game against Georgia Tech specifically to try to find instances of that and to see how their running backs could run or their linebackers could run fit. But it, it didn't really come up that often. I thought he held his ground well. The the main reason being those arms and like his length. Yep. He's, he knows when a block is coming, he's able to get to there to the offensive tackle before they get into his frame. And I think that helps him now if he gets up against Trent Brown and they have the size and 150 pounds on him, <laughs> then it might be a problem. But generally speaking, he has the length on him, and, and he's been really able to to utilize that and, and hold his ground because of it. The the first two sentences on my pros under like the, the my positive notes for Charles Snowden are this insane length, and he generally does well to use it, especially as a run defender, capable of winning with first contact, placing his hands, playing with extension, and keeping opponents away from his frame. If you're going to be lean, you got to use that length, and I and I think that's. Uh, a very positive sign that, that I, I wrote that down in my notes, something that uh, you'll need to continue to do because, look, at the end of the day, I, I mean, he, what, what do we want? We want our, our edges to be, what, like 6'5", 260? He's not going to get there, right? Like, that's that's not reasonable. But if it's not an issue, then it's not an issue. Right, yeah. I mean, if he's 6'7", 260, then we should put him back to tight end. But... <laughs> right. wonder if he can catch. He could be fun. Anything else on Snowden before we move on to some of the other guys that caught your attention from film study? Well, the one thing would be is, you know, who, who really knows if he's even going to come out? Because like you said, right. Jr., or this could be a guy who's six, you know, who's eventually could develop into being an All-American two years from now. We're like, we don't really know. So this is a bit of a projection as far as our, our understanding of his game goes. And hopefully he develops quickly this year, but this could be a two-year project as well. 
That's a good point. Uh, honestly, Bronco Mendenhall has done a terrific job of recruiting his own players. They all come back. They all go back for their senior year. And we're talking about a true junior. I mean, Bryce Hall went back. Juan Thornhill, he went back. Uh, Tim Harris, who, I mean, he kind of needed to because of his injuries. He was there for like six years. But I actually asked Juan Thornhill about that at the senior bowl. I was like, what is going on with all your guys, man? They all go back. He's like, nobody wants to leave. It's, it's a great school, and we love being part of that program. I mean, Bronco Mendenhall has really turned things around. And so that is a, that is a big, bit of a curveball we need to be mindful of is that Snowden might not be a 2020 guy when it's all said and done. Uh, so I was excited listening to you talk already. You mentioned you watched the Georgia Tech tape, the Ohio tape, and I'm sure a whole lot more. And so you're very familiar with all the players on this defense. Run through some of the other guys we need to be mindful on this unit. I think the uh, stand-up linebacker Jordan Mack is one of them, one of them that's really intriguing. Uh, as a junior last year, he was banged up. He only appeared in nine games, and uh, he was kind of hurt for some of the other ones. So he only ended up, ended up with 66 tackles. But as a true sophomore, had 114, which mm. is ridiculous. You know, he's already up to 141, or he's already up to 220 tackles in his career and seven sacks through three seasons. So this is a guy who's a, definitely a ball magnet. I think he's a little undersized, but he has that sideline to sideline speed. And I love the way he read and reacts. Uh, I think he's always on, all, always on his keys correctly. And that's something to be said that for college linebackers isn't always the case. Now, I don't know if he takes the best paths to the football. And I don't know if he can hold up you know, when he crashes down in the A-gap because he is only 230 pounds. But as far as a sideline to sideline guy goes who's going to make the correct reads, I think he can do it. I think as far as projecting into the NFL nowadays, that's going to be more of the new wave of linebackers as they come through. So a ball magnet in the middle of their defense monitor going into next year too. Uh, so sounds like a pursuit style will, right? Like, is he miscast? Is he playing Mike for them? Or what's his role right now? I think he ended up eventually he could end up playing the will at the next level in a four, three, um, especially because he can't come off the edge too. He can be used as a blitzer. Uh, doesn't so you can get you know you can keep him out of the a gaps you can keep him into the b's and the c's and depending on stunts and that type of stuff uh but yeah i mean in the college you take a 230 pounder who can play sound and sound and put him in the middle it makes sense but in the nfl i think he's definitely gonna be more of a will i've heard some early buzz for joey blount uh tell me about him so he's a he's a safety he's another true junior he played next to juan thornhill last year um another guy who was around the ball a lot, over 60 tackles, but he's definitely better against the pass. Um, had a couple of interceptions, had some pass breakups, uh, but some of the two interceptions that he did have were really impressive. Uh, one of them coming against Miami, that was like 35, 40 yards down the field. And then he had, he had another great uh, a return on that one as well. Uh, can cover slots, can play in too high role. They trust him in one high in some spots, but he's probably more of a too high safety, uh, but he can come down and cover slots as well. Uh, you know, maybe play in that, in that third in that fifth defensive back type of role, I always look at the Patriots with Patrick Chung and how they've utilized him. Uh, so he could be a guy who ends up in that. He's only, he only weighs 190 at the moment, but like I said, true junior, maybe could get up over, over 200 and he's six foot one. So definitely has some intriguing tools as well. Any other names? We've already, it's already what four names on the Virginia Cavaliers defense. Uh, who else? Is there anyone else we need to know about Brad? There's one other guy I want to talk about. It's Eli Handbeck, the interior defensive lineman. He has a little Tristan Hill to his game as far as he's, con he's kind of a bull in the China shop type of guy who somehow gets disruption with his motor. Um, I don't know if he's quite the athlete that Tristan Hill is, but he is a guy who's just going to take on blocks like a madman. Uh, he can get a little knocked off balance here and there, 
But it, like I said, his motor is always there. He's always disrupting. Does a great job taking on double teams, I think. Um, he, he'll cut down through double teams. He'll take two guys on. He'll take them out of the play. Um, he'll just bounce off guys in the middle of the, in the, middle of the, in the, middle of the defensive line. Um, has 141 tackles in his career. He's about to be a redshirt senior, so he's definitely a 2020 guy. So 6'4", 300, played all the way from zero technique out to the four eye. So he's a guy who's a little bit versatile and has that little bit of that just disruptor and like ping pong ball defensive lineman to him. Tristan Hill was like the highest motor guy I've ever watched. <laughs> so, so you got, you, you perked, you had me perk up a little when you mentioned that name there. Uh, so this is what we're doing at the draft network. You know, if, uh, if anyone's been paying attention is we're drafting units, uh, offensive defensive units over the course of the summer for us to, as a staff become experts at, and you just heard Brad, break down five prospects from the Virginia Cavaliers defense. And that's the type of knowledge base that we're working really hard this summer to acquire over at the draft network so that we can be your go-to source for draft content. And when you want to know what a player can be or do or what he has, you can check out our database. And of course, talk to our staff about these players. And Brad has been digging into the Virginia defense as well as uh, Michigan offense. And was it Texas offense? And uh, it was it was um, Iowa's offense and TCU's um, offense. Uh, have you already done Iowa? Uh, I have not looked at Iowa yet. Okay, okay. And then the other, so the Mich- Michigan receivers—they're good. They are very good. Well, what about that? Ta- Go ahead. It's hard to judge Tariq Black because he's only played like six games in his career because of injuries. But the other two people, Jones and Nico Collins, are fun. Very very fun. What about Runyon's boy? Have you watched him yet? The offensive lineman. So the I, the three interior guys that they all came back and I think they were all, they were all all three of them were either honorable mention or second team um, all Big Ten last year. I have not actually specifically watched them yet. I want to do them all as a unit. And I've, okay. I've only watched got checked out the receivers and tight ends. All right. Yeah, I'm working on Georgia. Actually, before we started recording this podcast, I was watching Georgia offense. So I'll have some takes, some Jake Fromm takes for you guys. Actually, uh, I'm writing an article that you'll read on Monday. Uh, So the same day you're listening to this podcast, that'll be available to you. So uh, thank you, Brad. Make sure everyone gives him a follow on Twitter at Brad Kelly 17. Obviously, Draft Network LLC is the spot. I am at the Joe Marino. I think Kyle Krabs is going to be back again tomorrow unless you petition for him to not return we've had some fun without him but uh i guess we're better together looking forward to uh talking ball with him again so can we take a vote yeah will kyle have a cat with him oh god to the show oh god <laughs> um well he's already got two at his house uh, <laughs> he's got two cats and a dog at his house um it seems like it he's got him he's got him named after dolphins players and everything Hopefully that's not the highlight of his honeymoon, though. But uh, he's certainly been keeping tabs on those cats, man. Um, yeah, I, I think if he had it his way, I think he'd do it. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't think he can. That's not. A, that's a. That's a big task, right? Getting this cat from St. Lucia back over yeah. to the United States. Is that legal? If you didn't bring it with you, I. I don't. Know. I don't think it's gonna. I always. Whenever you fly like internationally, you got to fill out the customs forms, and it's funny. I was because I, I, I just came back from my honeymoon in the Dominican and I'm filling out the customs form and I'm was joking with my wife. Like, I'm like, who's bringing animals back? Why do I, why do I have to answer the question if I'm bringing an animal back? Well, now I know why. Now I know exactly why Kyle Krabs out there falling in love with wild cats on the resorts in St. Lucia. So 
Hit them up on Twitter, at Grinding the Tape. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We'll catch up with you guys again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.